Welcome to the Minnesotan Podcast. Today we bring a great Minnesotan coaching legend, Matt Forey, in from East Grand Forks, Minnesota. Matt has coached 20-plus years in the youth system for Eastside Hockey. We're going to hear about all of the players he's coached, his coaching influences, and some great memories of both uh, teams and players that he's coached with and against. Should be a great show with Matt. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, today's show is sponsored by the Minnesotan. Give gifts of tradition and nostalgia you can't find anywhere that your people will love. Guaranteed, this place is worth the drive to White Bear Lake. As my friend John King once said, it's the greatest store in the world. Complete nostalgia store with filled with Minnesota gifts, Minnesota, Minnesota themed gifts. We love it. It's an awesome store. 15% off online at theminnesotan.com, exclusive to YHH fans or in store. Just say the words YHH to get that discount. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, Mr. Forey, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing great. This is going to be a really fun show. We met probably seven, eight, nine years ago up in Anoka Arena, one of your many, many regional trips as a PWA coach. And you kind of subtly mentioned this isn't my first rodeo, and I I was immediately engaged by a guy who had coached 20-some years uh, for East Grand Forks, and we've been friends ever since. How have you been? I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, all through the COVID, it's been uh, different, but... My family's been healthy, and I've been healthy, so it's been good. So let's just meet Matt. Uh, let's get a little background on who you are, where you're from. It sounds like you're an East Side guy through and through, ever since since you've lived there, and and basically, besides some college years, have spent most of your years in East Grand Forks. Yep, uh, born and raised in uh, East Grand Forks. Here, um, graduated in 1992, um, and uh, ended up going to Mayville State and getting my degree in education and now currently uh, teach uh, PE out at the Grand Forks Air Force Base. You probably get a good tax break because you're on the, uh, uh, the, the, Grand, the North Dakota side, aren't you? Well, no, I'm actually, well, yeah, I live on the Minnesota <laughs> side, obviously, but uh, yeah, I guess I'm not the, the uh, finance guy, so I don't know the uh, ins and outs of the, of the tax brackets over there. It's one of the jokes, you know, people work in North Dakota right. because of the better taxes or whatever. I have no idea, to be honest with you. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, so you come from a big family, three uh, three siblings, two brothers and a sister. Talk a little bit about those guys and, and where we, where you fit in the family. Uh, my oldest brother, uh, Dave, lives in uh, Wyzetta. Okay. And I have uh, two siblings that live in East Grand Forks here. I'm the second oldest of, uh, okay. of the four. And I have a younger brother named Luke that lives in East Grand Forks, and a uh, sister that uh, lives just a couple hop skips and a jump away from here at the moment, and uh, she lives in town here also. All right, let's let's uh, let's go through this really quick. So how did Dave, was it Dave who dragged you to the rink? How was your, what was your first moment, you know, going to a hockey rink, or was it just, that's just part of the culture in East, Grand, East Side? Uh, you know, I think it was my uh, my mother. Uh, really? My mom 
Yeah, my mom was a. Uh, what's, what's, lived, her my, what's her name? Her name's Ter- my mom, Terry. Terry, okay. Uh, you know, my, both my parents uh, grew up in East Grand Forks, and my mom was a cheerleader, uh, hockey cheerleader on the uh, 1970 with the 1971 East Grand Forks team that made it to the state tournament. Wow! Through the through the through the back door back in the uh, oh, back you, in the day. Should we educate our listeners what the back door means for state high school uh, hockey? It's I, the craziest thing in the world. Yeah, um, I don't know if I know the whole story. I I know that they they must have taken second place in section <laughs> eight that year in nineteen seventy one and seven and seven. So the seven and eights would run ups would play each other in the state. Correct. It was and, almost uh, like it was almost like they. This is the way I understand. It. It's almost like like well, none of those metro teams are worth a crap. Let's let's take some good northern teams and and get them in the tournament. Wink, wink. That's section three. It was like section three. It was like some. It was it was it was non-existent section. That's the yeah. way I understand how it worked. Right. Yep. And that would have been the, probably the first year that East Grand Forks went to a state tournament. And like I said, my mother was a uh, a cheerleader on that team, so I think she was the one that got me to the rink. My uh, my dad was. Uh, uh, a great athlete in East Grand Forks at the time. He was a basketball player and, um, in fact, still holds a, a track a track record that's stood for 50, 52 really? years. What 50, is it? The 400-meter uh, dash, he, well, it was the 440 back then, I suppose. Because, yeah. But, yeah, he, uh, he, he uh, still holds a record that's, to this day, from 1968. That's pretty cool. So, um, yeah. He was a he was a basketball guy, so I don't think he was the uh, the influence of me there. So what was? How did you get to the rink? I mean, was it just the, just the, the, the rink down the street? Did you go to the go to high school? Did you go to high school games? What what drove you to to play? Uh, you know, I think just going to the when I was growing up, that was uh, those early influential years were the mid eight or the early eighties teams of East Grand Forks hockey. Yeah, when I was five, six years old, and that team went to a state tournament in 1980, uh, and, and, went, and and yeah, and again in '82. So that probably put a you know a big bug into my ear about the sport of hockey because you saw the the East Grand Forks Civic Center packed on those uh, Tuesdays and Thursday nights and things like that. So um, that was probably my biggest influence, I would think. So for for those that haven't had the pleasure of making it to the Civic Center, describe to this describe our audience what you what your what you see when you walk into that palace. Oh, you know, it's uh, I I'm obviously biased, but I think it's one of the best rinks in the state of Minnesota. I mean, it's I think it's ahead of its time being built when it was in the in the mid 70s, you know, seating all the way around um, stadium seating. Um, you know, can fit 3,000 people in there. Um, Did you guys you know. hear that? That he said 3,000 people, and he's not exaggerating. It's it is humongous that place. Yeah, it's a big it's a big rink, and uh, you know, it's, you know, if they've been to ever Thief River, the older Thief River, it's very similar to that. Um, you know, they're probably built about the same time, but it's just a, it's a great old barn. You know, when I walked in. I had because it, you could walk all the way around. I had kind of a, a Braemar, and I hate to say that. Don't compare Edina and East Grand, but just the the structure kind of gave me the Edina Braemar feel, where you kind of could walk all the way around the building and the home side and the wayside. And uh, I just it was a just I just loved it. I thought it was a great building. Uh, you guys are really lucky to have that facility. What are the other sheets there? Do you have a Do you have a couple other sheets in town? Or one uh, other? Yeah, we got we have uh, two other ones. Um... And probably about 
excuse me, about 83. Yeah. We had our, VF, our VFW rink was uh, kind of a city project that was, uh, that was kind of uh, brought up by some donation, a big donation from a family locally. And then uh, the city kind of pitched in the uh, residents did and tried to do some fundraising to build that one. Um, that was probably the last time I did an er- interview on the radio. I was probably three years old going around soliciting uh, money door to door to try to get this second sheet of ice up yeah. and then going out to the radio station and, uh, you know, trying to promote that a little bit. Um, and then our third sheet was kind of a one that fell in our lap after the, excuse me, after the 97 uh, flood. Yeah. We uh, had a, a temporary school that was built right next to the VFW arena. And uh, after that was not needed anymore, <coughs> our stu- or, uh, Blue Line Club bought that rink um, from the school district and or that school and turned it into a hockey rink. That's pretty cool. So you guys have three indoor sheets. Yeah, we're pretty lucky for a town of our size to have uh, three sheets of ice um, that we can use on a on a daily basis. I always joke with the, the northern Minnesota sheets of ice, the number of sheets of ice per, ca- per capita just cracks me up. Bloomington, where I live, 80,000, 85,000 residents has three sheets. I'm guessing you guys might have how many residents in East Grand? Maybe 8,000? Yeah, 8, right around right around eight eight to eight to 9,000. So 10 times, 10 times more people, same amount of sheets. Yeah, we are uh, definitely spoiled. Yeah, yeah, well, that's great. Um, okay, so you play, you're a multi-sport athlete. Uh, you're now a, a P, phi, phi ed teacher. So sports were kind of your whole life growing up. Is that true? Yeah, you know, I grew up, grew up, uh, you know, playing baseball and, um, you know, played high school football. Not very good, but I did, I did attempt that. And you did your I, part, right? Uh, yeah, I did my part. Um, played that role player, which is you know always important. Um, and I enjoyed playing uh, Legion baseball. Didn't have high school baseball back in the day, um, here at least. And uh, so I ran track and did that. Uh, that kind of thing. All right. Uh, tell me about your hockey career. Who was your who were your hockey big hockey coaches influences growing up? Uh, kind of got you interested in maybe doing the same. Um, you know, my first, uh, memory of a coach would have been my, my, uh, peewee year. My first year of peewees, there was a uh, guy that still, he was coaching just until recently. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I got this tickle in my throat. Uh, yeah. Randy Galstead. Um, and I ended up coaching his son here years later, but he was one of the first coaches and Tom Jerome, um, yep. now the, uh, AD or no superintendent up in, uh, Roseau. Yes. He was a longtime hockey official, and I think he's he's now on the State High School League uh, board, like direct board of directors for the high school league. Yes. But him, those, board those director two, Jerome, Jerome. I did. I heard his name just recently on the whole big vote that they had for uh, approving high school sports. In the yeah, he was. Year. Those two were those two were my first two Pee Wee coaches, and then my second year Pee Wees, I had the uh, infamous. Kent Murphy, who I know you did a a uh, podcast with here in the last. Come on, maybe six, he six was months. your coach. Yeah, he was my coach back in the probably eighty five, eighty six, right around there. That's crazy. So, um, did yeah. you ever think that he was going to go on to coach for that long, thirty plus years? Uh, no, <laughs> you know he was a little unorthodox, but 
you didn't think that that'd be a guy that would that would be in it for the long term, but obviously he uh, he was and has obviously coached some phenomenal teams and players over his uh, over his career. He was just a. Uh, I talked to him and we walked through. We had very similar pre-show like United. Uh, I was just amazed by how many different levels that he coached. I mean, obviously he coached Pee Wee's most of the way through, but the different areas. So he had, he coached in Fargo. He coached in East Grand Forks. He coached at Jefferson. He coached in Colorado. He coached in the Pee Wee International in, in Quebec. I mean, all the different areas in the national championship teams that he coached. I was like, it's pretty crazy how for a guy without any kids, without any, you know, Real hockey playing experience. How far that guy went in the game of hockey? Yeah, for sure. Um, that's that's pretty cool that he was your coach. That I didn't realize that. Now your high school coach um, was Lundby, right? Yes, um, Mike Lundby. Mike Lundby. Talk Mike about Lundby. Mike and and his and his coaching style when you were a high school player. Um, Mike was probably came in about four four years or so before I was. Yep. Three or four years before I got there, he had come from uh, Crookston and Owatonna. He was in both of those uh, head coaches in both of those cities before he came to East Grand Forks. And uh, Was he a teacher? You know, he, yep, he was a teacher. He played at UND also. He was from Grand Forks originally, but he was a defenseman for UND. Probably, I guess that would probably be in the, what, maybe the mid-70s, probably, right. when he would have played there. Um, so he knew the game of... Uh, of course, and um, he was one of those guys that uh, he told it like it is. He told you uh, what you needed to do to uh, get in the lineup, and if you didn't do it, you weren't uh, in the lineup. You know, you were on the JV. But uh, he, uh, yeah, I I really looked up to him, and I you know I still see him, and I still call him coach. You know, it's one of those guys that you I still how you doing, coach? And yeah. Um, you had said there was a guy named Gary Berg who was like a, maybe a football coach or a baseball yeah. coach of yours, and you said yeah. kind of the, the epitome of a hard-nosed, old-school coach. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gary would have been uh, my track and football coach, and he was yeah, old-school and had that, that gruff voice that uh, could get your attention very quickly if uh, you weren't doing what you were supposed to do. And you could, you could definitely be intimidated by the guy, but, uh, you know, he was – um, you know, very fair about everything, but he, he definitely got your attention. I'm imagining a guy in like those uh, polyester coaching shorts and the spot built shoes with the windbreaker on and just getting after you. Is that about what Gary That's, was like? You, you've probably hit him to a T. He had the short, kind of the short buzz haircut, yes! you know. Yes. Yeah, that's that's him, but uh. You know, he recently just moved out of the city from uh, here down to Arizona. But, uh, yeah, he lived right next to the high school, and I still you still see him around. And so, But, yeah, he was a great he was a great guy. So, like, a guy like Gary or Kent or Mike Lumby, where, when, now that you've gotten into coaching and been doing it for 20 or 30 years, there's, there's part of where you draw from another, the, the coaches that you learn from. And then there's the, oh, we'll get into that later, is what's your style. But what, what, what did you draw from these guys as coaches? Uh, you know, I think just trying to be as, uh, as honest as you can with them and, you know, instill a work ethic into uh, players that, um, <clears throat> you know, to be successful, it might not be you on the ice or on the field, but as a team, you know, to be successful, everybody has to make some sacrifices for your, uh, for the good of the order. Right. 
<clears throat> and you know, I truly believe that that you know, not every kid's going to be the uh, you know the superstar. You have to have those those players. So you just have to you know you have to be able to work with those players that maybe don't understand their role. Right. And you have to you have to you have them buy into that to that part of the game. Yeah. Um, let's get into that. So I, I want to know the first time uh, you coached a real team because I said in high school you you did some mite stuff and and kind of got attracted to it a little bit. But when was the first time? It was after college? I'm sure you got the whistle when you uh, official whistle of a team. When was that? Well, that would have probably been uh, after my after the winter of my after my senior year. So like the winter of '92, I was uh, hired with another. Uh, you know, a kid that was another guy that was a year old or two years older than me that I played high school with college or high school hockey. And, uh, he was going to college and I was going to college and we ended up coaching a peewee B2 team. They didn't call it together. C that back then, did they? Yeah. No, it was peewee B2. And, you know, um, and even a couple of years later, we, we had a, a fourth team, like maybe two or three years later, we had a, a huge number of kids um, and that would have been, you know, some of those kids that ended up playing in a state tournament in the late nineties, but, uh, right. there was, we had four teams and that's pretty odd for a town of our size. Um, was this guy you coached was, was this Jason Hearn? Or, uh, or I actually did connect with Jason. Yeah, I would. Well, I've known Jason for a long time. Um, but actually the first year wouldn't have been him, but maybe the second year, I think I coached with Jason before he moved up to the PEA level and has been there ever since. But, uh, yeah. So what year did Jason get the PEA job and then you joined him a year later? Would that be like 98? Uh, uh, he would have co- coached, uh, well, I remember going down to, I think it was in Tonka or Mound West Tonka, Tyler Palmasino, our high school coach at the time, would have been a second-year PEA, I believe. They were at a state tournament. And um, his dad, Tony, would have been coaching that team. So that would probably be like 94-ish, yep. 93-ish. And Jason must have got that team probably shortly after that. So maybe 90, 95-ish. Nice. Okay. And then he's been there 20, be 26 years going on, right? Yeah, he's been there for, yeah, I would say, you know, 24, 25 years and if anybody knows Jason, he's a man of very few words. But, but yeah. tell me about him a little bit. Uh, you know, he is. He's really quiet. Um, but, uh, you know, a fabulous coach. Um, knows the game. <clears throat> but a man of a few words when it comes to, uh, um, you know, <clears throat> things like that. But, oh, I just can't get rid of this tickle in my throat. <laughs> That's part of the show. But yeah, no. Jason goes back a long time, and like I said, I played high school hockey with him, and you know, uh, even before he was coaching with another guy for a handful of years, Corey Quirk, that was also one of our PEA coaches here before I kind of stepped into the place with uh, with Jason. So you guys are coaching together for twenty, almost twenty years. Uh, did you guys get a rhythm? As a coaching staff, like you knew exactly what you were doing, or was it was it early you developed that rhythm, or did it take a while to kind of work together for so long? No, I think I would say we probably right away. I mean, obviously, when we first started, I was, you know, 
23, 24 years old. And, you know, the kids were coaching are 12 or 13, you know, so they're, um, there's not a huge age difference there, but, um, no, we, like I said, Jason and I had known each other for a long time and, uh, yeah, we just, we did, we really worked good together and, you know, it was a, a blast going to the rink when I was coaching with them. I would, you know, we had an hour practice, but I'd be there for an hour afterwards and we would just talk hockey and, uh, you know, discuss the next day's practice plan. And, um, so no, I, I, I haven't now did it for two years, but he's still doing it and, you know, I miss it. So hopefully one day I'd get back into it. All right, let's let's walk through this because I when I was a uh, I was I was a lot like you. That's where I knew I'm like I'm gonna like this forty guy. He's coaching in his twenties. I coached a lot of different sports in, in my twenties, and I look back and I'm like, wow! I thought I was the greatest coach ever, and I look back at what a moron I was on some of the things, <clears> some <throat> of the decisions I made, and and how I coached and teach, taught. And I actually, you get better as obviously you get older. Do you re- look back at some of those early years of coaching and just kind of scratch your head, or or were you just a well-oiled machine even in your twenties? Oh no, no, no! I mean, man, if you could go back now and look at the way practices are run now and you could have did that say 20 years ago you know been a the, genius the, the, right the small yeah the small area games and the uh you know the no lines and the stations you could uh you could have just been a, a powerhouse <laughs> for no matter where you were you could have been you could have made kids into players that you would never would imagine the way that the the coaching has changed so much over you know say even 10 years. It's, it's just changed so much. It really has. It's been fat. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. The PBA, AA split. I'd like to get your opinion on that. I, there's just so many little different hockey topics. I kind of want to get through some of the, the years. So you guys coached uh, several teams. Uh, you had a lot of great memories of taking teams. You have district tournaments, I'm sure, to, uh, in, up there in District 16. Do you have any specific district tournaments where it was just like, did that just happen or there's there, – or, or, just some of the great players or great events or upsets or anything like that, that, that strike your memory. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the one year that sticks out in my mind of a team that didn't uh, go to a state tournament or wasn't the best, but we were probably a six or seven seed in a turn in a, you know, district tournament and uh, ended up winning the uh, district that year. Where where was the tournament? Uh, Red Lake Falls. Red Lake Falls. <laughs> I've never been there. That's one rink I've never been to. And uh, <clears throat> we beat uh, some powerhouse names, and we think about it. I mean, Brock Nelson was over in War Out at the time. Alex Lyon was the goaltender at uh, at Baudet, who ended up playing with He's Philadelphia. Still yeah, and went to Yale. Um, and Zane Gothberg, Zane McIntyre was in Thief River. And then our team had uh, a, a, one of our, our first NHL guy. Ever. Um, t- yeah, Tucker Tucker Pullman was on that team. And, uh, you know, and actually the kid that uh, was on that team too would is now helping Jason coach our Peewee team, um, our Peewee A team. Uh, Alex Robertson is now helping Jason this year. And he was on that team. So, um, you know, a lot of connections, but that's just, you know, you think about some of the teams that were the players that were there with Nelson and Gothberg and Lions and Tucker Pullman. That was a that was a big thing. You didn't think about it at the time, but those are some big names. 
all in one district, all in all one in district one, tournament. All in one district tournament, yeah. And for up here in North Dakota or in northern Minnesota, it's it's a uh, you know it's kind of a big thing. Down in the cities, you probably see that with the Maple Groves and the Wyzettas and Edinas. You see those uh, you know those big names year in year out. But you know up here they're a little more spread out. So that was kind of a a uh, a big thing. And actually, you know the probably the best player at that time. In that Wee district was a kid from Roseau named Shane Omdahl. Really? Tell me about yeah. that. Uh, he was he was he was a freight train, you know. Myself and uh, uh, Coach Ern would uh, the kid would come down the ice, and he was just a bull. And all of a sudden, it was just like you just make the tri- train sound because he was just on the tracks, and he was tough to stop. He was tough, tough, tough kid to stop. And actually, I think uh, a couple years ago. Um, it's probably been three, maybe three or four years ago. UND was uh, short some players at Christmas time for injuries or transfer outs or something, and um, he was one that tried to walk on at UND. And I can't remember the somebody else picked there. Somebody they picked somebody else to go, but he was a good hockey player and just missed out as a walk on at UND. Wow, that's but that's he was crazy. probably he was probably the best peewee player. At that time, up there, man, he was just a, he was a freight train. So, you know, t- you talked Tucker was the first uh, kid from east side to, to, to make it uh, to the NHL. When he's a peewee and you're coaching him, is NHL even in your realm at this point, thinking about this kid? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. You know, he was very, very good. He was a little undersized as a peewee and a bantam, and even so much a high school player, and just one of those kids that just developed and blossomed. He was, you know, he had his hockey IQ was off the charts, but uh, you know, physically at times he just couldn't do it. But he was, you could see that he had some potential, and he just grew into that body of his. And um, you know, of course, with his father being out at UND, the strength and conditioning coach, you know, he had all the um, you know, the tools to, uh, and to, to and, do and that resources and too. resources. Right? Yeah, absolutely. The resources to, uh, you know, become one of those, one of those players that makes it onto the next level. Now Dixon Bowen was, a, was, a, was the same age or right in that same class too, right? Uh, Dixon would have been a couple years younger. Younger. Okay. Yeah. Right. He would have been a couple years younger. Now he's another one who had, you know, genetic, you know, genetics in, in his favor, right? With with his dad Jeff. Talk about his dad Jeff and what his. So you don't. A lot of people don't know because uh, he dates so far back. Uh, what a great player Jeff was. Oh yeah, Jeff was a. Uh, he was a a great uh, high school player, um, and had a back injury. I believe his senior year that held him out quite a bit of his senior year, he, um, and ended up playing at UND. And won a national championship in '87, and I graduated with uh, Jeff's younger brother Nick. Really? And we coached a little bit together for a couple of years when his nephew Dixon was around, and Jeff was around too. Yes. And uh, and then Jeff also, you know, ended up coaching a national championship in '97 with Dean Blaze. Um, so yeah, yeah, Dixon's pedigree is, you know, you know, he's uh, one of those. Once in a uh, you know blue moon players that you get too. Did you get uh, Jeff on the ice to coach with you in those days? Yeah, Jeff was around. <clears throat> Jeff and uh, Kerry Eads were both around at the time. 
I swear, um, a, a podcast. I, I can't do a podcast without Kerry Eads name just floating in, just out of nowhere. So here we go, another Kerry yeah. Eads mention. Yeah, yeah. Kerry was around, and his son Eddie was on the team, and um, yeah, Kerry would come out and asked her, you know, have some had some drills for us to work on, and you know, you you can't say no to uh, to a guy that's got that much experience and background. So yep, you just come on out, and you know, those are the days that as a coach you get to learn something too. You know, John, just the players as a coach you learn different aspects of the game and little nuances. So yeah, it was it was a great two years with. Uh, both of those, Eddie and Dixon. It's kind of exhilarating. I've I've had a chance to coach with some good coaches. Well, get on the ice with some of these guys. It's exhilarating to watch them run a practice. Like, hey, they're doing it exactly the way I do it. Or, hey, I could learn a few things how they way they do it. Did you Did you pick up on that when you were out there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you uh, you know you pick up things from all all over. I mean, even I think I even noticed that myself in other sports. You know, you go to a You'll, you'll watch a, let's say you watch a, a baseball practice with, uh, you know, your high school coach and you just kind of go, you know, that you could fit that drill into something similar to it in the hockey or um, things like that. So I think, I mean, a, a good coach will pick up, um, you know, try to pick up everything he can, whether you go into a high school hockey practice for 10 minutes and watching there or, um, you know, uh, just watching the game on TV, you pick things up. I remember I was, uh, someone invited me to go. I think it was like Glenn Mason was coaching at the University of Minnesota in the late 90s, and I was coaching Pee Wees. And someone said, We should go to this practice. I know the guy, you can get us in. And I was watching this practice, and they had this guy who was like the director of football operations, and he had this little horn, or, eh, horn. And literally, like, he would blow this horn like every four minutes or six minutes, right? And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. And literally, they had their practice plan, and like he would, whatever they were doing, the next that horn would go, the guys would run from station to station to station. I was like, huh, I got this hockey dad who doesn't, who can't skate, but he wants to help out in practice. He can run the horn. So literally, out of a football practice, I picked up how to run an efficient hockey practice in sixty minutes from a football practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta be able to adapt and and you know be above. Um, thinking that you know it all and to pick up things all the time. I mean, that's the only um, the only way you're going to get better. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, one more coach um, that was very involved in Eastside hockey when you were coaching at the youth level, I just don't want to leave this go, is Jim Scanlon, who's now the Bemidji State um, women's coach. Walk through Jim's influence in, 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 in Eastside hockey as well. Uh, you know, funny story, when I was uh, right out of – uh, a couple of years out of high school, Jim had moved to town and moved in about three, four houses down from where my parents were living at the time. And that winter of 97, he would have, that's when he would have moved in, or the 96, winter of 96, and then the spring of 97, we had all that snow and, and the flood that yeah. came with it. But uh, Jim had just moved to town and didn't have a snowblower. <laughs> and he was. He didn't know? Where, well, you know, well, he was, he's, yeah, well, he lived down there, right? He's from what cottage, cottage Grove. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And well, probably hadn't, you know, he'd only been there a few months and we just got socked with 20 inches of snow or something like that. And I'm snow blowing. So I run down and snow blows dry away for him. I don't think I'd even met him yet. Didn't know who he was, but, and then eventually find out that, um, you know, he's the new, the new, uh, high school coach and, uh, teaching in town here. And, um, 
Yeah, I mean, you hear about his uh, how the players that had played for him just absolutely loved him um, as as a coach and as a as a person. So he's obviously had a big thumbprint on a lot of kids that came through our program. Yeah, the ninety nine oh one oh two teams. What are your recollection of those teams uh, as they you know qualified for state and, and made it down uh, to the X? You know, those teams. I don't think. Uh, you know, I think, well, the first year would have been uh, our high school coach would have been 98 with Paul Messino. Yeah. We had some, uh, you know, he was uh, obviously went to UND. So he was, you know, one of the one of the premier players around. And I think they got beat by Mr. Riddle yes. from Red, Red Wing. Well, that team, so, and that was the year, I think, 98 was when they beat, I think, that was before they seeded it. And I think that's the year that they beat Hermantown in the first round. And that was the two number one and number two team in the state. And yeah, I, I, yeah. I just remember the riddle game at the, yeah. uh, might've been the target, target center. center. Yeah. Yeah. God, right. Did you have to say that word? for? Hockey? Yeah, no doubt. Isn't so that bad. So bad. But that's those teams there were, uh, with a couple of years, they didn't have superstars. I would say if I if I don't have a roster in front of me, but I don't think yeah, we had yeah. that that big superstar. We just had some real depth um, players that were just real good, solid players, and had those role players that filled up. And you know, had goaltenders like a Tommy White that that stepped up, and a Wade Holtman in some of those games. And uh, you know, not no no big jump off the page right. players, but just just solid solid hockey players. Yeah. Um, okay. So those those years, you 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 coached a few of those kids in your Bantam B years, but the the real uh, meat on the bone comes later on, where you have the, the such a big impact on on those teams that won the fourteen and fifteen state championship teams, like Tucker and Colton and um, and and those kids that that you know the the Loven and the and the Tweeten. I mean, just it was just a factory uh, of great. Big, strong, smart uh, players. Uh, what are your recollections of those kids when they were back in Pee Wee's? Uh, you know, they were they were just uh, they were they around here. A couple of those years, Roseville had some had some quality teams with say like a Zach Yon mm-hmm. was, that was playing, and uh, but uh, you know they there was just a lot of talent. We kind of had a lot of everything. We kind of had some size. We had some speed. We had you know. Good goaltending, um, you know, guys like uh, Ty Osmus and um, I bet he was a great youth player. Yeah, he was. He really was. He could uh, he could flat out skate, man. He could he he could fly. He was a water bug on the ice. Not a real big guy when he was in Pee Wee's, but man, he could really skate. I think he's actually scored our winning goal to get to state. In uh, we were in International Falls. He got the game winner. Against uh, Hermantown with, uh, well, is it Mike Mike Pionk, right? Was he been the old the coach? Yeah. And then his son would have been, what Neil? Neil or Neil, Nate? Yeah. One of the two. Yeah, yeah. he would have scored that goal. But yeah, we just had oh, Scott. Had those, Scott Pionk. Scott Pionk. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. the name. I think. Um, but yeah, he was. Uh, Ty would have. I think he scored the winning goal that year to get us to a state tournament. Um, but yeah, we just had some, you know, overall, um, you know, we kind of had some of those high end players and we had our role players that, uh, just did 
the things that they needed to do. Um, so let's go through. So uh, when, when they when they win the state title in fourteen, um, you were probably down at the X watching this. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Are you gripping it hard, or are you just enjoying it all? Oh, I just enjoyed it. I you know I try to you know it's it's fun to watch the kids that you've uh, coached you know when they're eleven, twelve, and you see it that they've got some success in their in their games. So. Um, you know that some of those groups were one class at peewees and then by the time um they got to high school obviously there was two classes but you could see it right away because they were doing well at the at the one class level yeah and they yeah. had some success at bantams too it wasn't just you know at bantams i think they got to, i mean think about that this is before the double a a split in 2000 i want to say 12 i think it was over in cottage grove they almost he got to the state final as as Bantam single A. They didn't have double A, and that that was that that was a pretty good you know clue that they were going to be in the hunt for a state title in either fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, there. Yeah, you could see that at the, at a young age, at you know at that level, that there was something there. If you if they continued to progress like they were, and they were all just they were hockey guys, you know, there was the lineage of the Bowens and the Eads and um, then you just, you know, you throw in that mix of some of those other names. like Loven and Twain. Like Loven. Oh, yeah. Loven. A Pesh. Pesh, yeah, yeah, Taylor, yeah. Taylor, Taylor, Taylor Brierley, another guy that kind of goes on Another great player. Yeah, Taylor played, you know, is now at Union who's had their season canceled, but he was another one of those players that, uh, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal skater. You know, you know, not the biggest guy in the world, but man, he could handle a puck. He could skate, uh, understood the game. So, you know, that's kind of a, another kid that you think about and kind of flies under the radar, but man, he was a heck of a peewee and high school hockey player. So you're coming off kind of Joe cool. Like, yeah, it wasn't that big a deal. I just kind of enjoyed it. There's no way you weren't squeezing it hard when Hermantown scored two goals in the last 30 seconds of state final. You had well, to have been squeezing tight at this point, right? Oh, I would. Yeah, I was, but it, <laughs> it, it is, it is so much fun to just watch those, uh, that, that group. It was, it was a, a great time in peewees and, uh, obviously to see them have success at the next level and even beyond is, it's, it's just, it's awesome. It is pretty fun. So many big names. I mean, you know, family names that you've had access to, you know, whether you played with them, uh, like uh, the, the standout kid, uh, Jason Beast, right? Now you're, you've are you coached his son now? Or you will coach uh, his son? No, his son is a first-year peewee this oh, year. Oh, so you missed him. I missed, I missed on him, but, uh, yeah. Just about every other kid in the city you've coached, right, for the last well, 20 years? I've quite, a, quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, Jason or uh, Max Max Beast is a first year. That's right. And uh, Jason, his dad, was the same age as me growing up and uh, graduated with him. And he was, um, yeah, he was uh, a big thing around here. He was a heck of a hockey player. Um, you know, he kind of maybe got a little overshadowed over the, that his senior year with uh, a guy like Andy Brink in our section. Right. Um, Jason Blake um, from Moorhead. But, uh, you know, Jason was a, a different animal compared to those two. Those guys were, you know, a little more finesse and, uh, uh, you know, skaters. Jason was just a, uh, he was a, he was a beast. He was big and strong and had rock 
um, you know, just rock solid uh, body on him that could could run through guys, and he could fire the puck like uh, like no other. I mean, he could just flat out shoot it. And he ended up, he he played some junior hockey both uh, in the USHL and the WHL, but never went past that. And now he lives back in back on East Side, right? Yeah, lives back in East Side and uh, works at the Ralph. Oh, he does. Yeah, he works at the Big Ralph. God, that place has just got <laughs> hockey people crawling all over it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, it just it, there was a guy, and I can't remember his name. He coached you. Would, you could probably name this guy. He he was an assistant coach, probably for Dean Blaze, um, and then wanted to get off the road of recruiting, and then went to go work uh, in the athletic department. Do you know who that is? Off the top of your head, it's just it's just crazy how many great. They aren't even on the hockey staff, but there's just so many great hockey people within that building. It's it's fun. It's fun to be in Grand Forks. It's just a hockey town. Both yeah. East Side and 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 Grand Forks. <clears throat> no, I couldn't. I don't know if I know that. Uh, I'll have that to name. come up with it. I'll come up. I'll, I'll text yeah, you. And if you said it, I probably would know it. But uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of who that would be. They grow hockey coaches on trees up there on both sides of the both sides of the river. Um, all right, let's let's walk through some of the the kids that you've coached. I mean, there's got to be so many that you've coached against. You've already brought up Brock Nelson and Gosper and those guys, but uh, who are some of the characters of kids? You know, some of the kids you coached that not necessarily played in the uh, Division One hockey or state tournament, but just kids that just you have such fond memories of coaching. Uh, you know, uh, that year that we talked about with uh, that with Tucker Pullman and we ended up winning. That was probably one of my f- most fun years that I coached because the kids on the team were just uh, so laid back. Um, and, uh, you know, not that we, we never were the superstars and we never got blown out. We just lost those one, two goal games and just didn't have some of the talent, but you know, a guy like uh, that I remember is uh, Brady, uh, Brady Anderson. And uh, he was just, um, he was just hilarious. Hilarious guy that just did his, uh, or sorry, not Anderson, sorry, Brady Halverson. Brady Halverson. And he just was one of those guys that was always joking around. And um, we just had a blast with them. Um, and that team was just so much fun to coach. Uh, they had, a, had an Alex Christensen on it that was a yep. defensive And They were just, they're just good guys to hang around with and really laid back, but um, you know, knew they weren't superstars, but just had fun playing the game. Uh, a kid like Bauer Brown, who just kind of graduated in the last uh, probably three, four years. Um, you know, just a good, hardworking kid, and every little kid in the in the town just loved him. Just, just you know, came up to the guy, and was, he was so approachable. And um, you know, those are the kids that make you want to come back, that you, you want to continue to coach because you just have so much fun with them. There was a I was interviewing Gary Smith, who was the Olympic trainer for the eighty Olympics, and he I would always talk about Herb Brooks. Herb Brooks, he would tell me stories about Herb Brooks. Uh, would always say, "Yeah, you know, talk about player A or player B." I'd like to go have a beer with that guy. Granted, you can't have a go beer with have a beer with a twelve year old kid, but did you ever coach a kid and go, "Yeah." 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I might want to have a beer with that guy because he just seems like the just a good, he's going to be a great guy when he grows up, like a guy's guy. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, one of those guys on that team was Alex Robertson, who is now uh, helping 
Jason Hearn at the PWA level. So, you know, that's one of those kids that, you know, you talk about it. And I had my 40th birthday and he was there for my 40th birthday. So, um, uh, you know, it, it is. You see some of those kids and you down the road and, you know, you, you can't you have that connection with them and they, uh, you know, they'll you'll be somewhere and they'll stop and say hi to you for a couple minutes or if you're out and about having a drink somewhere they'll buy you a drink and just give you a wave across the bar and say hey you know how you doing you know maybe you haven't talked to the kid now in five six ten years but um you know you you see you run into him somewhere and it's you know you kind of have that bond of you know we had something maybe not championship wise, but you know, you live, you kind of live with those kids for, you know, five, six months out of a year. So yeah, it is special. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I love hearing about that. Now your teams have taken third place recently. So you have, uh, I want to say in 16 and again in 19 in Stillwater. Um, any memories of those teams? Did you get as far as you thought you would, or did you think you had a championship team uh, when the season started? Especially go back to that 16 team. You had Landon Parker and a real nice team that year. Didn't really have a great that great of a season until late. You really got hot late. Yeah, we kind of came together as a group there, you know. I think Landon during that year took a big stride compared to his first year. So he kind of, as a first year, he was you could tell he was a good player, but his second year, <clears throat> excuse me, his uh, his skating came around so much and he became a goal scorer. And, um, you know, we just, we, we got, like you said, we kind of got hot at the right time of the year. And uh, we played, you know, pr- we played pretty well. And then this last two years, um, you know we've got uh, we've got some good talent that is now at our our Bantam level and as Peewees they went to the state tournament in Stillwater and took third place and that's kind of a special team for me myself because my son is on that one so I mean that kind of makes it extra special as a uh, as a dad and a coach and you know now he's a Bantam I'm not coaching him but uh, yeah they do have some they have some talent there with a kid named Grady Magner and Brock Schultz and. Lana Jameson, you know, this Bantam team has kind of brought, you know, from a team that went to the state tournament this, or would have went or went to the state tournament, we got shut down an hour before the, for the game time. But, uh, you know, you bring back seven, seven skaters and a goalie, so... Um, there's high expectations there for that group this year too at Bounds. You know, I, I wish I had their names in front of me, but there were uh, true story about this, and and you'll and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. There were, um, I want to say, four or five kids uh, showed up this summer, uh, probably late July, for a tryout for the Bantam Elite League. And usually it's a kid from Prior Lake and Orno and, you know, maybe Mankato, maybe St. Cloud that show up and there's probably 50, 60 kids for a couple skates. And I look, I know what the East Side bag looks like. I've seen a million of them, right, in my years of this. And I look down, I'm like, no, there's an East Side bag. There's another one. There's another one. There's another one. Five or six kids from East Side drove five and a half hours down to the Twin Cities to try out. And I'm like, this team is going to be good because these kids are seriously committed to the game of hockey to ha- make that kind of commitment just to try out for a league. Yeah, they they really are. And, you know, as much as I would have liked to see a state tournament happen last year for my son and that Bantam team would have been a blast. But that PWA team, um, I think going in, they were, I think, one of the, the favorites to win it. Oh, oh yeah. Um, they were 
and that would have been awesome to see. Um, but unfortunately, they didn't. Uh, you know, that didn't come to come to happen. But uh, you know, that group that moved up to Bantams, there's some some good talent there. So yeah, I mean, the future is bright uh, for high school hockey. Obviously, this year in East Grand Forks, and you know, our uh, Pee Wee and Bantam teams have been uh, very successful the last you know, the last year or two. So there's, uh, there's definitely some, uh, some green pastures coming up for uh, East Grand Forks hockey and in the, the next couple of years. The funny part about it is uh, the pastures in world are just as green. So there's yeah. going to be some epic app. I mean, yeah. like last year, the two, the two regular season games, and then finally the section final um, in Thief River, it's going to, it, it's going to be like this for five, six years, at least. Yeah, World has obviously got some. Uh, they've got some high end talent there at the high school level, and their and their Bantam team has got uh, you know a kid like Murray Marvin and uh, Hampton Sluzinski, the goaltender. I mean, they're just uh, you know they're as good as anybody uh, you know in, in as good state. as anybody in the state. You know what what hurts you know some of those that team World is maybe some of their depth. But uh, what they don't have in depth, they make up in talent. That's oh, for that, sure. That is that is for sure. Um, I, I before we t- you know go down memory lane too far, I, I want to just talk about how how things are built. You know, we t- world gets world and Rosal get a lot of this. You know, oh, it's small town and it's you know free ice and all this stuff. You guys have a very similar success track with with the cost of hockey, and you don't have a hockey association like Osseo Maple Grove, Redina, or Woodbury. Walk me through the structure of how hockey is uh, administered and and paid for. Um, you know, yeah, like you said, we are we are very different compared to uh, probably almost every association in the state um, as ours is run through um, our city, our park and rec department. Um, So a lot of our costs get deferred um, through the, just the tax base, I would say of the, you know, of the town because our rinks are, uh, our rinks are paid for through that and the ice time that we get um is is you know subsidized i would say the word would be through through that so we have a little different structure compared to a board that uh you know runs things we have our our money a lot of our money comes through the city and our blue line club um is kind of there to uh help uh support that the blue line club does a lot for our community and but they're the the partnership between the city and the blue line club is you know, really one, but it really does help our program with the cost of it. I mean, we are um, at a point where, you know, I have three kids that are uh, a Bantam and squirts and I'm probably at, uh, you know, under $1,500 for a year for all three of them to play. And we don't pay for ice time at, you know, at the end of a month or, uh, you know things like that. So we are very, very fortunate here in East Grand Forks. So I want to I want to make this clear for everyone listening. Um, and it's almost like a park board. Like like when I was a kid, we would go play baseball for the park board. We'd bring a check for twenty five dollars and a little receipt. We'd bring it down there and we'd pay, and then the park board administered it. Yours is very similar to that. You go to the city, sign up for hockey. Then they have probably tryouts or evaluations, and the coaches are paid for by the the city pays the 
paid coaches or in the, and the city actually hires the coaches through uh, the city versus a hockey association in Bloomington or Roseville or any brain Brainerd for that matter anywhere in the state it's the hockey associations are run by volunteers but yours is actually run by a by a park and Rex division of the yep, city. That- that's about you hit the nail there that's exactly how it, it runs you know um like i said our blue line club is very involved in you know they pay for we pay for and i should say we i say i because i am on the line board also but um the blue line club pays for tournaments and pays for jerseys and um you know subsidizes things like uh you know meals and you know things like that and helps pay for coaches if they are uh um you know out of time if they're a paid coach and they're on a on a out of town trip they'll help pay for hotels and things like that so um yeah it's a it's a it's a great thing to help keep the cost down in our uh in our our city here and it's reaping the benefits because i think um i think our termites this year have over 75 kids in it which is i mean that's like probably 25 more than ever has been before so our numbers are are growing is that would be like kindergarten and first grade is that your term yeah our yeah our our termites yeah that would be our first year that's first two years good for two years of classes that's huge yeah, 75 you know it's just a it's a it's a big group right now and the you know let's be honest that's what uh builds um programs and uh, and you know that depth is numbers because you lose obviously you lose kids every year at every step you lose you know a small percentage of them and you want to try to retain them but you do lose them but if you start with that base high there's a good chance you're going to have a a high base by the time you get to the high school level and that's what our you know the ultimate goal for our program is is to try to feed a high school program yeah isn't that the truth um Walk me through the rinks. When do they actually shut down? Do you actually take the ice out ever, or do you have ice year-round in one of the buildings? Uh, our, uh, our ice usually goes out uh, probably that our last rink probably gets ice after um, probably a couple weeks after the high school state tournament, so like late March. Okay. Um, and some of the other ones are uh, shut down probably in early March. Okay. Depending on how many teams you have left to maybe go to a state tournament or, um, you know, or advancing. So um, after April 1st, when when can an East Grand Forks kid get on the ice in the city? Um, it's it's slowly changing. Yep. Um, but it is nor it has been normally, in for many years we didn't put ice on until October of mid October of like MEA weekend. You know, so like that Thursday, Friday, that would be our first time of being on the ice. Um, Now that uh, our Blue Line Club, um, we've been purchasing the ice from the city or, you know, renting the rink from the city, our Blue Line Club, and putting it on uh, about a month earlier, a month to six weeks, the last uh, couple couple years. But majority for, you know, is almost as long, let's say 90% of my, uh, time here in East Grand Forks, it was always that MEA weekend would be the first time we ever get on. So we're always we're always behind the city's teams. Yeah. You know, we don't we don't start tryouts normally until Halloween. Yeah, and don't have our first practice as a team until you know that first week in November. 
and some of those city teams are what they're probably a month into it sometimes oh at least six weeks so where does a kid who wants to do some summer hockey do they have to go over to icon over to uh, on the grand fork side to get some ice or Uh, we do we do have uh we do have the month of uh june normally we run a uh a hockey a hockey school for, from the East Grand Forks Blue Line Club. So there's a, a month of ice there. Um, but, yeah, other than that, you, uh, you're going to have to go to Grand Forks. And even Grand Forks, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think maybe only one of their five right. rinks probably keeps ice on too. Okay. I was just curious because there's still every, every rink in the Twin Cities is open year-round. I mean, right. rarely shutting down ice is kind of a rarity uh, down here. Um, well, I'd like to go through a couple more things as far as uh, East Grand Forks hockey and just, just, just hockey in general, just trends. You know, you've been on the front lines, and one of them is we talked touched on a little bit is the whole PWA, PWA. Like we talked to earlier, like some of these state tournament teams or teams that you had, they were playing against Edina. And in this day and age, it's never even really been, it's not even heard of for some kids and, and parents that might be listening. Uh, what do you think about the whole PWAA? Remember that, like 2011 or 2012, when they switched it to AAA? Do you like it, or would you rather just, you know, line them up and go against all the top teams? Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, traditionally you'd love to say, is even you know, with the high school league, you'd love to see one tournament. Um, but I think to grow the game, I think you have to give as much exposure to kids and give them something to look forward to. Um, and you know, for a team, say East Grand Forks or a War Road or a Roseau, Thief River Falls, whoever it is, you know, the smaller town, Alexandria, um, to probably to advance to a state tournament, it's obviously not going to happen every year like it does possibly for an Edina or an Eden Prairie. So um, it may come around once every 10 years, you're going to have that cycle or, you know, once every eight years where a team could compete. So I think it's, I think it's good for the game and it's good for exposure. You know, you remember when I was first coaching some of those teams, I was, let's go back to say Bantams and early, you know, when I was coaching early peewees, there wasn't even Bantam B or peewee B state tournaments. There was none of that. No, you know, and now, you know, those, those kids uh, deserve that opportunity to uh to play you know in a different setting and you know it's a big thing to travel down to minneapolis and um you know stay in the hotel and get to get that exposure even if it's you know a peewee b team or a bantam b team so i think it's it's a i think it's a good thing the traditionalists would love to say you know you know it's let's let's let the little guys go against the big guys but i think it for the grands the big picture i think it's i think it's good for for minnesota hockey some other trends that you see you you we talked you alluded a couple times you know the game has changed what well, the game has changed you know for the practices are so much better what are some other changes that you've seen uh from maybe the late 90s to today well i think the skill level of these kids is i mean compared to when i played i mean i don't i don't think as a as a high school player i'd make a bantam team <laughs> for, for i mean these kids are just so much bigger and stronger and they put so much more time and effort into it um and there's just i don't know i mean i shouldn't say time and effort because i think there's players from every generation that put their time and effort in but these kids just they just have a different uh you know i think physically and mentally 
they just they're just they're just skilled they're just more skilled than we are i mean i watched some stuff that that uh peewees do and i'm going i didn't even think about that as the bantam level or no. the. i mean it's just crazy they can they can do stuff with the puck and um it it's it's definitely fun to watch yeah no question here's a question for you this i think this is a bantam related question so um east side hockey bantams have always worn these red jerseys and that's not really your high school's color scheme um it's not your squirt and peewee's color scheme what's with the red jerseys at the vfw the uh, you know i don't i don't know if i i don't really know if i know the whole the answer behind well, that you know what you can make it up and almost everyone will believe <laughs> every, you. Every, no there'll, there'll be somebody listening that would probably know the answer do you think but, someone from east sides can actually listen to this no chance uh, they haven't been listening to you for 30 years why will they start now right well that's probably true but <laughs> um, yeah i don't know you know they, I, as long as you go back and look at pictures from the uh, 70s and that's what it is um but really if you think about it it's you know um well, look at Rozo's youth I, program. I think it's the Rozo answer. It has to be the Rozo answer. Rozo and, and World. World, World too. They wore the red, white, and blue. I think yeah. that was explained to me. Uh, that was that's the way we've always done it. You know, you can't, I, you don't get to wear the uniform. I think it's just no one can really give me an explanation. Yeah, um, I think I think there's a little bit of pride there, and it's maybe to drive kids to you know what I want to wear that. Um, it, I'm saying uh, Warroad and Rozo that, you know, they were that different color, the blue or the red, white, and blue. Right. And you have to, to earn that black and gold or to earn that, uh, green and white. that green and white, you, you've got to put your time in and put your, uh, you know, put your man hours into, uh, wear this Jersey. Yeah. It's funny um, that the Rozo girls youth don't wear blue. They wear green and white. It's like, yeah. I remember running up to some Rozo guy. I'm like, Hey, 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 Whoa, Whoa. How come the girls are wearing the green? Uh, I don't know. I, I can't explain it. They just wear green. You know, there's like no explanation for it. Um, the only logical one was like you just said, where it's, you, it's, it's a special thing to wear that, wear that uniform. Yeah. And it, it, I don't, you know, I, I, I couldn't speak to that for, uh, being any truth, but that's, uh, my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I almost had you on it. One more East side question. This is almost like a East side hockey, uh, uh, documentary. Um, Recently, I think in the last hmm, two or three years, uh, EGF has gotten a lot of public uh, publicity and uh, notoriety about their squirt in-house program. Um, you know it. Your sons. Pl- I wouldn't ask you this if you weren't deeply involved in it. Uh, your sons play in it now. Walk me through what the process is and and, and the theory. I think uh, is it Judd Stoss who's kind of the the author of that program. Yep, Judd Staus, uh, uh, probably a '95 grad from East Grand Forks, and ended up playing at uh, at Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. He, once he, his kids got in the program, he kind of um, did his research and his homework and found this uh, PEP program yep. that uh, that we run, and uh, you know, and it's kind of based off the ADM model where we have our stations and things too, but. Um, and our squirts play half ice games. Um, so we have, you know, four teams going at a time on a half or on a full sheet of ice. And I think the theory, the theory is basically, you know, puck touches in small area. You have to, uh, you know, you have to be able to keep your head up and make quick decisions in that half ice instead of having a, you know, that superstar squirt that can wheel behind the net and go 
end to end because he's that much bigger and stronger than everybody else at you know at nine and ten years old. So this is this uh, compacts the game, and uh, you know just makes these kids have to think a little quicker on their feet. Gives them more puck touches. It gives them uh, the goalies, you know, probably twice the amount of shots in a uh, in a in a game right. and in practice. So, you know, with our squirts right now, we've got our squirt group is actually very small. Um, right. We only have uh, about almost, uh, we don't have quite 30. I think we have 28 or 29 kids in our squirts, which is very small for right. whatever reason. But uh, our kids get, uh, you know, a ton of ice with this, uh, the ADM model and then this PEP program that uh, uh, Judd had found. And that's kind of the one that Connor McDavid has. Yeah. Um, that uh, you know he was kind of grown up on, coming through the ranks. So, um, it's a great skating and uh, edge work uh, program. And I mean, our kids, the very first day that we that that the the program came to town and taught us coaches about it, we looked at it and go, "Holy moly, this is way out there!" You know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Our kids are not going to be able to do it. You'd watch these uh, these uh, uh, demonstrators come in, and they just go, "Oh, look at that!" And you're going to make a, a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old try to do this? Well, you know, lo and behold, you know, a couple years later now, you should see these kids go over the top of these uh, these apparatus, yeah, peps, these peps we call them. And now it's it's picked up. You know, Grand Forks has picked up the program this year. Um, there's college programs that are picking up. UND just picked it up. So um, Judd did his homework on it, and uh, he definitely uh, found something that it was the next, uh, you know, the next thing. And like I said, there's programs all over the state now that are picking up, and East Grand Forks was the first one. So walk me through um, the process, the squirt process then. These squirts will only play in-house until maybe January or well, let's say in a, in a normal year because the, we'll just throw COVID out. But normally they would have played together only in-house and then made an A and a B team for travel purposes in the second half of the year? Yeah. Um, the plan is right now, and I don't know if that's going to change with the COVID but uh, yeah, we will. We play in house with. We have four in house teams in East Grand Forks, and Grand Forks has, I would say, maybe seven to eight in house teams, and they'll come over and play also ah. with us. So we 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 kind of we co op with Grand Forks, and they'll bring their teams over, and play. Um, so you know we're not playing each other, you know, every other week when you have four teams, you play the same team cool. all the time. So, so we have Grand big Forks league then. So, yeah, I don't know exactly how many teams Grand Forks has. I'm guessing they have right around eight. So there's probably 12 teams in it. And, you know, they're, uh, they're uh, 25, two 25-minute half um, running time. You just, you know, you dig the puck out of the net. You don't have a, you have a face-off to start the game, and that's it. You know, you uh, dig the puck out. The other team has, to, uh, has a, a line on the ice where they have to go back to before they can uh, attack the other team. Yep. So um, the game is moving constantly. I mean, the kids are just um, moving all the time, two minutes or a minute and a half, and, you know, it's just racehorse. that The group comes off and the next group goes on. You just play. So they're getting all kinds of touches and, uh, you know, skating, and it's just it's, it's hard for some people to imagine because I, I can get it from a, a past – players that played say squirts 
regular season full ice and then the next year they had to do this half ice there was probably some yeah some backlash there but um it's i think in the long run it's going to do our program it'll be do our program great things well it'll be interesting to see uh how that works out uh for those guys i know that uh the squirt a and squirt b kids last year that i talked to loved it after you know they really learned the game and by the end i think i think your squirt a team did fairly well uh in the squirt international which is kind of you know a measuring stick for a lot of different programs throughout the state yeah absolutely uh, well, this has been a really fun show. I got one more question. I always like to kind of, you know, end the show with kind of if you could kind of thing. So you've been coaching uh, youth hockey for 20 plus years. Um, if you could change one rule uh, in youth hockey, it could be a rule, a Minnesota hockey rule. It could be a USA hockey rule. It could be a hockey rule in general. You get to change one rule. Um, you are a king for a day, and you get to change one rule in hockey. What's that rule going to be? Uh, I think I'd like to see um, the not the the icing. If you can beat that guy to the dot, you know the college, the NHL, yep. on the icing. If you're the uh, the team that's being infracted, you could win that race to the dot or whatever that point is, and could nullify an ice think that would make the game go pretty quick all right i'm not lying here i've asked this question the last four podcasts icing is always one of the rule changes that people want to make it's insane the people that are that focused on icing you know I love icing. It's the greatest thing in the world when I'm coaching. Like, oh, there's an icing? Good. I can change it up. Uh, it's like a free line change where you get, you know, especially, you know, you've done this for years. You always got one guy out of the five who thinks he's Superman who's going to stay out yeah. there for a minute and a half, right? Yeah, or, or longer, two and a half. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Once it gets to 90, I'm like, you know, let's go, roll them, let's get up. So uh, to me, when I'm coaching, I love the whistle. Okay, good. We, we're past 25 seconds. Change it. Let's go. You know, you got a short one this time, my friend. You yeah. Know, but it's always the icing. I'm, I love that, though. So you like the, the problem with that, not to argue with you, the problem with it, it would make the officials hustle. You know, we got a two, yeah. two official crew. It would yeah. be really hard to officiate that. Whereas the college rule, like you're talking about, they got four guys and they got two linesmen are yeah. just dedicated yeah. to it. That is that is very true. I mean, if you had a, a you know, we're trying to obviously try to promote referees to keep them around so the game can continue. And if you had a, you know, maybe a younger kid that's refing a peewee game, maybe he can't, uh, he's not gonna be able to keep up with that race. I can no. see your point. No, I see I, your point. I'm not. I think it's a, I love the concept though. Cause it, it would definitely speed up the game for sure. Well, let's let's just go to the we'll go to the high school level then. Maybe the high school has to. I agree. They have two lines at every high school game. I agree. Yeah. Well, let's do it. Let's change that rule. Let's change that rule. Well, I wouldn't change a thing. This this has been a, a lot of fun. I really appreciate you spending an hour with me tonight, uh, going through uh, your career as a player, as a coach, uh, as a dad, all the different things that uh, go into play here as a hockey person or hockey guy here in the state of Minnesota. Couldn't appreciate you more, Matt. Thanks a lot for your service to, to East Grand and in the state of Minnesota in hockey. Yeah, thank you for everything. Uh, you've obviously done a great job of promoting the program or the uh, our program in East Grand Forks now, and uh, just in uh, youth hockey in general in 
the area. So thank you for you, your uh, service too. All right, Matt. I hope to see you around on rink way sooner than the last time we've been. Yeah, absolutely. All right, take care. Matt Forey from East Grand Forks, Minnesota. Uh, just a quick word of thanks to the Minnesotan. Give gifts of tradition and nostalgia you can't find anywhere that your people won't, won't love. Guaranteed. This place is worth the drive to downtown White Bear Lake. As my friend John King once said, it's the greatest store in the world. Check it out in White Bear Lake, downtown or online. 15% off using the YHH code at theminnesotan.com. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Hope to see you around the rink soon.